I had quite the amazing weekend of of travel and uh, family visiting and, and ceremonies. As longtime listeners have heard me mention many, many times through the entire history of the show, or darn near it, that my brother is an active duty naval officer, and um, and he retired essentially his retirement ceremony and change of command ceremony was this weekend. And it was one of the most uh, amazing, moving things I've ever seen. Um, I'll try to get through this without blubbering. I'll probably be unsuccessful. Um, but I'll skip to the punchline. Both the ceremony and then the reception afterward, then the party at his house, and I was talking to a bunch of his contemporary uh, officers, retired and active duty. And the amount of sheer brilliance training expertise dedication patriotism among these guys is awe-inspiring i mean the idea that the military is for people who can't find other jobs or whatever idiotic cliche you've had spend 10 minutes with these guys stand humbled and awed by what unbelievable humans they are and i left out disciplined uh, among my descriptions, and it's just so incredibly impressive. Um, but anyway, so the the retirement ceremony, and each branch has its own retirement ceremonies, and they each have their own uh, greatness, I'm sure. Uh, but the Navy's is is so cool. They, you know, there are speeches given, and and the keynote speech was actually delivered by the chief of boat of uh, one of the uh, subs, actually the sub my brother commanded um, for several years. Uh, who is the senior enlisted guy talking about my brother and his leadership style. And it was it was very, mm. very cool. And I was very, very proud of him. Um, some of the stories, because he's too humble to tell them himself. Uh, I mean, he'll make reference to some of the things that happened. But to hear it from another perspective was, was, was pretty cool. Um, but after 29 and a half years of, of serving the country, he's now, he's still active duty because um, he had some leave accumulated. Uh, but he said, no, essentially, other than picking up the phone or helping out, if somebody has a question, he said, no, I'm, I'm pretty much done. Although he said, we go to war with China. <laughs> All bets are off. Oh, really? Back in uniform. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, but I thought I would read this to you, um, and this was incredibly moving. This is the uh, the poem, essentially, that they read at the end. Um, and they, they change it depending on your years of service, but here's the way it went. For 29 years, this sailor has stood the watch. While some of us were in our bunks at night, this sailor stood the watch. While some of us were in school learning our trade, this shipmate stood the watch. Yes, even before some of us were born into this world, this shipmate stood the watch. In those years when the storm clouds of war were seen brewing on the horizon of history, this shipmate stood the watch. Many times he would cast an eye ashore and see his family standing there, needing his guidance and help, needing that hand to hold during those hard times, but he still stood the watch. He stood the watch for 29 years. He stood the watch so that we, our families, and our fellow countrymen could sleep soundly in safety each and every night, knowing that a sailor stood the watch. Today we are here to say, shipmate, the watch stands relieved. Relieved by those you have trained, guided, and led. Shipmate, you stand relieved. We have the watch. Um, and then they blow the pipe and ring the bell, and, and off he goes. It's really quite amazing. Um, and then you see these kids who he's training. And, and then in the little slideshow uh, of, of his career, you see that he looked like a kid. 
mm. when he started. And these youngsters are built into these amazing people through the traditions of the United States military. And to you can almost not express how incredibly important that excellence is without resorting to cliches that everybody claims they understand about you know it's it's uh, you know our, our military that preserves our freedom and protects us from from those who would end it and that sort of thing but when you see the beginning middle and end of that process you understand these are not people who merely do a job they dedicate their lives to a purpose and uh, and it's just it's it's really really cool and not uh, an academic exercise either as like I'm watching the news up there, China warplanes flying over where we've got those exercises going on. You know, it's 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 for real. The preparing for that stuff. Well, and and the military is not a, a a laboratory for social experiments either. You know, they can try stuff. Absolutely, that's fine. But to have anybody other than those in charge of military preparedness uh, deciding what the military should do is uh is it's folly it's suicidal honestly and the one uh, one final note maybe in talking to a lot of these guys uh is that if you've ever heard of the uh, the cases where there's some weapon system or boat or whatever that the military says we don't need this boat we don't want this boat this boat doesn't work but the congressman from the district where the boat is made insisting on we keep spending billions of dollars on this boat that stuff happens a lot and it sucks mm. and it's awful you know i was thinking as you're uh reading that i was thinking um I mentioned I went to Oppenheimer over the weekend, and so I was some doing some reading about the should we have dropped the bomb or not. And uh, one of the articles that I came across from the pro we should have dropped the bomb, which uh, Truman did. Uh, if you don't know that, then you are so not a student of history. You probably don't enjoy this show. But um, the the last island we took, Okinawa, which if you know anything about World War II history, lots of movies, lots of books written about Okinawa. We lost 12,500 men in that battle. The Japanese lost 200,000 people, half of them civilians. And it would have been many multiples times that, obviously, to take the big island of Japan. And the argument was, so if it had cost 200,000 U.S. servicemen, how are you making the argument why all those lives were worth ex, uh, you know, expending rather than dropping the bomb? What's your argument for that if you're Harry Truman? How do you explain to the parents of the dead soldiers that, no, this was so we wouldn't what? Uh, uh, yeah, and, we and, let and, hundreds of thousands of ours died, die to prevent them from being killed by a bomb. And and a, even a successful invasion of the Japanese mainland would not have ended the war immediately. It would have dragged on and on. But I was just thinking about that as you read that. I mean, you know, people are dedicating their uh, their lives or at least, you know, chunks of their lives to serving in the military. You can't throw away those lives over some sort of grand pronouncement of we shouldn't use this weapon. Right, right. Once the war begins, the chief aim is to end it as quickly as possible. 
Oh, and one more thought. I'm sorry. My, my closing thought was intended to be the following. Um, and, and this was reflected so clearly in, um, you know, the, the address my brother gave and then the address of the gent who is assuming his command um, and, and a couple of other people. I think it's safe to say every single member of the United States military, all the branches, their families are serving with them. Oh, yeah. The spouses, the children, the moms, the dads, the brothers, the sisters. No doubt the about family that. family sacrifices, the family worries that that a part of the... Uh, you know, the traditional, uh, the watch, as it's called, that uh, many times he would cast an eye ashore and see his family standing there needing him, essentially. But still, he stood the watch. That is true. And, you know, if you appreciate our military, by God, appreciate our military families. Yeah, yeah, whether it's you're moving around a lot and pulling kids out of school and that sort of thing, or if you're in an active uh War zone, as so many people have been over the last 20 years, just, you know, tours of duty where you're gone, gone for months at a time. Dad is gone or mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's an excellent point there. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies from The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together, we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.